Taking up your cross, suffering and sacrificing have been superseded with name it and claim it. And as dark as I know it looks out there, the good news is that God is advancing his kingdom. And it's very exciting to be a part of his great commission. It's Sheila Zielinski. The Sheila Zielinski Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now. Here is your host, End Time Watchwoman, Sheila Zielinski. Hello listeners and welcome to the Sheila Zielinski Show for this Friday, April 17th, 2015 edition. Folks, I'd like to give a big shout out to all those new listeners at WINB and of course the listeners tuning in from Worldwide Christian Radio. A big shout out to all of you tuning in from across the globe. My guest today, folks, is Rick Bell. Rick is a former professional kickboxer, trainer. He was born and raised in the Lone Star State. I could go on and on with his impressive bio. Rick, welcome to the program. Pleasure to have you on. Thank you, Sheila. It's really my pleasure to be with you. I've listened to you for quite a while, and really, I rarely miss one of your shows. I I get a lot out of it, so it's a pleasure for me to be here. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to have you on. So, Rick, tell our listeners about your background, what your deliverance ministry is all about, and how you were called to it. Wow. So what do we have about 16 hours on this uh, show? The condensed version. (laughs) The the condensed version. Well, I'll tell you. Yeah, my background was as a fighter, as a professional fighter. And all of that, you have to know the backstory and how I got to that. And from that, how the Lord called me into deliverance ministry in a different kind of fight. Basically, I had all this training that I'll tell you about in just a minute And all of a sudden, the Lord says, now you're going to take all of that stuff you learned in the physical, and I'm going to show you how it relates in the spiritual. Wow, this is going to be interesting. So let me just start at the beginning, because the whole thrust of what God has me doing these days, and really for the last, I'll say five, six, seven years now, Sheila, has been a focus on the Holy Spirit power. There is an anemic church in the land today, and there is absolutely no power. And God started calling me out of that church system that we're a part of that really becomes more of just a social club than, than really doing us any good. Everything I'm going to tell you is not something that I read about or I saw on YouTube. It's something that I've lived. I've done it. You know, it's hard to talk a person out of something that they've done that's happened to them. So I'm going to start at the beginning and tell you how 
I came to be the guy that's on the Sheila Zelensky show today. It all started in 1959. I was born out of wedlock to a Catholic schoolgirl, 16-year-old Catholic schoolgirl from Shreveport, Louisiana. My dad was a high school football star from a cross-town high school. And how the two ever got together, no one is quite sure. Because the convent girls, the Catholic girls, were, of course, kept in a, a very tight environment where they were not allowed to really do anything or socialize with any of the other kids from the other schools. But somehow they got together, had a relationship, and I was the product of that. In those days, 1959, when a young Catholic schoolgirl became pregnant, the process was she was shipped off to a home for unwed Catholic mothers. And it was all hush-hush. It was very quiet. No one knew that my birth mother had been shipped off because she had become pregnant. They were all told that she had gone on a vacation, <laughs> you know, an eight-and-a-half-month vacation. And that's how it was handled in those days. So I was the product of that. My mother, birth mother, went to a little town called Marshall, Texas, which was about 30 minutes away from Shreveport, Louisiana, right on the East Texas border. I was born through the Catholic Church, and I was adopted in a prearranged adoption because that is how the Catholic Church did it in those days. I don't know how it's done today, but in those days, there was not a lot of paperwork or legal work required. All that was required was that there was a Catholic family in the local church that wanted to adopt a child, and I was the product of that. So I was adopted into a family. I never met my birth mother. It was at birth. I was handed off to the parents who raised me, and from here on out, I'll call them my parents. Now, I did actually meet my biological father some years ago as, as I was in my 30s, and he filled me in on a lot of these details that I would have had no other way of knowing about how I came to be. So I was adopted into this family, and they were really good people. You know, they, they, had, they were business people. My mother came from a somewhat wealthy family in a small town, and my dad was just a, a farm boy who went off to World War II when he was 17 years old and fought the Japanese on a ship in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And he came home and married my mom, and they couldn't have kids, so they adopted me out of that. So they were nice people, good people, loving people. One slight little character issue they had, and that was they were both complete alcoholics. Alcohol literally controlled and ruled their life. Now, the type of alcoholic they were is what I refer to as a country club alcoholic. They were functional. They had a business that they were successful at, and they did that during the day, and they usually abstained from alcohol, at least my mother did, throughout the working hours of the day. My dad would keep a little bottle tucked under the, the seat of his pickup truck, and he would take a nip every now and then. But by the time they came home, 5 o'clock, and by 5.30, they would be home and have had two or three drinks and be well on the way to their happy place. And by 6.30 at night, they were close to going to be passed out. So I didn't have any supervision. I wasn't really raised in any kind of a structure. We had a maid, and the maid was more or less responsible for cooking the food and, and doing all of that stuff. Mother and dad just kind of worked and drank, and that was it. And that was my life. As one of the stipulations of my adoption was that I had to be raised Catholic. I had to grow up in the Catholic Church, and I mean 
go to Catholic school, the whole deal. So from an early age, here's a, a first grader. You can imagine, you know, my first taste of school, it's, it's already traumatic because you go from your home into this building where you're going to have to sit at this desk with this big chief tablet and a, you know, big number two pencil, and you're going to have to start learning things. There was this teacher who had on this black robe with this white thing around her head, and I didn't know what it was. She looked kind of like a penguin to me. <laughs> she was a nun. For me, for some reason, it was scary to me. There was a television show back in uh, the 60s. I was a little kid, and it was called The Flying Nun. I don't know if you remember that. I wasn't born until the 70s. So. Well, see, you're just, you're just a baby. Well, there was a, a television show called The Flying Nun, and those nuns were white, and they were happy nuns. <laughs> Well, the nun that I had, you know, the teachers at our school wore black, and it was a bit frightening. So my whole experience from day one with the Catholic thing started off on a bad foot. But I had to be at Catholic Mass every Sunday, and then every Wednesday we went to something called confirmation class. So the thing that I grew to hate the most was on Sunday we had to be at church because the church started at 10 o'clock. And we had to leave the house at 9.45. Well, it just so happens my very favorite cartoon in the world came on at 9.30 in the morning. And that was a cartoon called Bullwinkle and Rocky, The Adventures of Bullwinkle. And I would have to leave the minute my cartoon started. And I just absolutely grew to hate that whole experience. I never really got anything out of church. It was just an exercise that I had to go through. I had to become an altar boy and learn to memorize all of these things that really, I didn't just, I just didn't see any purpose in it. So as soon as I'm 16 years old, I get my car and that's my freedom because I, I was born with a gift for music and I began to play the guitar when I was probably seven years old. I just picked up a guitar that was laying around our house started to play and taught myself to play and come to find out I, I have a kind of a virtuoso ability on the guitar. So by the time I was 14 years old, I was playing professionally in my hometown, which means I was earning my own money. And in those days, when you earned $50 a night to play and you played every Friday and Saturday night, that's $100 a week. That's a lot of money for a kid who's living at home with no expenses. So I had all this money. I turned 16 and I bought myself, you know, everything I could find to buy, got my car. I had a Trans Am, the Smokey and the Bandit thing, that whole deal. But I decided I was never going to set foot in a church again. When I got my freedom and my car, that was kind of the deal. Mother didn't make me go to church anymore. So I was done. Got out of high school and I wanted to go on the road. I wanted to be a rock star. Of course I did. Played the guitar and sang, so that was my destiny. Signed up with a booking agency and took off on the road to live the life of a, a wannabe rock star. Absolute debauchery. And I didn't know any of this stuff. I'm, I'm a kid from a small town in the south from Texas. So I'm introduced to all these things. So after doing that for a couple of years, I'm a pretty wild child. Now, through all of this, I determined sometime around my senior year in high school that God was the same as Santa Claus. God was the same as the Easter Bunny or the Tooth Fairy because he wasn't real. You couldn't see him, touch him, feel him. And my only experience with God was 
going to the Catholic Mass every Sunday and sitting there and feeling tortured. And I absolutely said, I'll n- <laughs> these people are crazy, these religious people that go to something called church. Why in the world would you want to get up on a Sunday morning when Saturday night's the big night? You know, we didn't even go to sleep until 7 or 8 or 9 in the morning on Sunday morning. So this was my predisposition. This is what I'm telling you. I was an atheist. And as I grew, I was a professional musician. And the other thing I wanted to do was I wanted to get a black belt in karate. I thought that was really cool. So I settled down in, a, in Texarkana, Texas. Texarkana is a strange kind of a town because half of the this city is in Texas and the other half is in Arkansas, hence the name Texarkana. It's literally the main street is the state line. It goes down the middle of the city. So I'm living in Texarkana, Texas, and I am a happy atheist. I am living the good life. I teach karate during the day, and then at night, I play in a rock and roll band. It wasn't really rock and roll. It, it, it was more country slash rock and roll, kind of the Eagles kind of thing, right? You know, my whole life's a party. I have absolutely no use for God, no desire for God, nothing. And I'm working at this karate school slash Nautilus Fitness Center during the day. And at night, I go and I, I do my gigs. So one day, these three people walk in. And it was my job at the fitness center to take people on a tour and sell them a fitness membership. You know, they had to sign a contract that was for a year and then they paid every month. You know the routine. If you've ever joined a fitness center, that's how it worked. I was the top sales guy on the, the little sales team there. So I would normally get the people that came in. So as it would have it this day at around 5 p.m., these three people walked in, two guys and a girl. At the time, I just turned 21 years old, a few days, literally a week before this. So it was just past my 21st birthday. These individuals were in their mid-20s, close to my age, and this was in 1980. So they come in, and it's my time to take them on the tour, and I have my little spiel. You know, it's a sales pitch that you have memorized, and I had a, a very high closing ratio, which means nearly everyone that came in signed up. Because in those days, the, the craze was the Nautilus Fitness. It was not a hard thing to sell. Basically, if they walked in, they were ready to sign up. So I took them on my 14-minute and 30-second little tour of the place that I did, you know, 10 times a day with people and signed them up. Brought them back into my office, sat them down, did my little closing spiel, took the paperwork, turned it around to them, took my pen, laid it on the place where they're supposed to sign, and said, Let's get you started today. That's the closing word. And then you're quiet and you wait for them to respond. Well, one of them looks at me and says, well, we can't sign up today because we're going to have to pray about this. And I said, you're going to have to do what? They said, well, we're Christians and we're going to have to go and pray about this, but we will come back and let you know our decision. All right, so I'm going through sales training here. We had to go through all the Zig Ziglar stuff and Brian Tracy and Tom Hopkins. You may, have, you may be familiar with these names if you've ever done corporate kind of training, but we had to, had to memorize what to do when someone objected. So the only thing that I knew to do from all my sales training was to ask questions because I wanted to get to the close. 
the only question I could think to ask when he said, we are Christians and we need to go pray about this. The only question I thought of was, well, what church do you go to? They said, well, we go to a charismatic, a non-denominational church. I said, a nominational church? What's the nominational? They said, no, it's a non-denominational. I said, well, what is that? I said, it's like a Baptist church or is it a, I've never heard of that name. I've heard of Methodist and I've heard of Catholic. They said, well, it's not really any of those. Those are denominational churches. This is not a, not a denomination, but it's a charismatic church. What is that? <laughs> he said, well, it's, we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now at this time, Sheila, I'm an atheist. Let me remind you of that. Right. I, I laugh at this stuff. I literally make fun of Christians, the craziest stuff I've ever heard. Sky says it's a charismatic church and we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I said, gifts? Like, oh, I get it. You guys bring like presents to church like it's Christmas and you guys like give that to the poor, that type thing. And they said, no, that's that's not the kind of gift we're talking about. The, the Bible speaks about gifts of the Holy Spirit. But the gifts of the Holy Spirit are, for instance, praying for someone who's sick and, and they get well, sometimes getting a word from the Lord and being able to tell someone something, and, and praying in tongues. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, what in the world is a tongues? They said, well, it's uh, a heavenly language we get from the Holy Spirit when we have something called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I said, well, what language is it? This is complete ignorance on my part. I'm sincerely asking these people, what language is it? Mm. I know nothing. What Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was, I would have told them that's the Beatles. I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was, that was the extent of my biblical knowledge. So here I am, 21 years old, and I'm, I'm not a dumb kid. I, I'd figured some things out. And that's one of the worst things that you can have going for you is to be fairly analytical. <laughs> you know, this stuff, it's better not to have that. So they're telling me about this heavenly language, and I asked them, what is it? And they said, well, God gives it to us. I said, well, how do you learn it? He said, well, you don't really learn it. It just kind of comes out of you. I said, so you're telling me there's a language that just kind of comes out of you, like if I just started speaking French right now, and I don't know how to speak French. And they said, kind of like that. Yeah, that's kind of it. At this time, Sheila, I'd been talking to them for about an hour, and I'm getting a little bit intrigued about this. I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit stirred. Something in me is saying, this is strange, but I want to hear more. So at this point, I said, you know, guys, I've never heard of any of this tongue talk thing could you guys do that for me? Because I'd like to hear it. You got to get have this picture in your mind. I'm in my sales office. I'm sitting in an office chair behind that business desk. These three people are sitting in the chairs in front of that desk. I said, could I hear that tongue thing? And one of them said, well, I guess so. I don't see any reason why you couldn't. And they said, well, we're just going to bow our head and pray and, and pray in tongues. So they, they clasped hands and they bowed their head. And I bowed my head because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. About a minute goes by and there's not a peep out of these people. Not a sound comes out. And a little voice in my head says, 
These people are cuckoo. Get them out of here. Get the next person that's coming in, make a sale, and then let's call this thing a day. You are wasting time with these nuts. So, Sheila, I looked up and I opened my mouth to tell them, look, it's been fun, but you guys just, I need to get back to work and you can come back tomorrow and tell me if you're going to join or whatever you need to do. So I looked up to tell them that. And before those words could come out of my mouth, one of them looked at me and said, Rick, we can't pray in tongues in front of you because the Holy Spirit just told me that that would just be to prove to you that he's real. And he told me he doesn't need for us to prove it to you. But Rick, he looked right at me. He leaned in. He said, the Holy Spirit told me that you can be born again right now. And you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Do you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? I looked at him and I said, yes, I do. And I meant it, Sheila. You see, everyone has a moment that everything in their life works up to that moment. This was my moment. All of a sudden, it flashed back in my mind that when I was 10 years old, and went every summer to stay two weeks with my aunt and uncle, who I loved dearly in Dallas, Texas, my uncle would sit down and read a little book called The Daily Bread, and I would look forward to him reading that Daily Bread, and then he would tell me about Jesus. Now, this was all foreign to me at the time because we didn't talk about this stuff in the Catholic Church. I was a kid. But at that moment, you see all of those seeds, my uncle Bill had planted in me at this moment. It was my moment. And Sheila, something stirred in me. And I looked at this total stranger who I had never met in my life. And I looked in his eyes. I said, yes, I do. And I surrendered something in me from an atheist surrendered. I said, what do I need to do? They said, we are going to pray for you and we're going to put our hands on your shoulders. Is that all right with you? And I said, it, it's all right. They stood behind me, Sheila, and I'm at my desk. I've not really moved. I'm just sitting there. And one of them said, Rick, the Holy Spirit just told me that what you need to do is completely forget everything you think you know or don't know about who God is. Whatever you've been told, whatever you've been led to believe, forget it. He's going to show you who he really is. Now, Sheila, I'm telling you how it happened. You can't make this stuff up. I'm an atheist. But forget praying in tongues. I'd never heard of praying in <laughs> tongues. This warm liquid begins to pour from the crown of my head. It's about the substance of thick, warm honey is what it felt like. I didn't know why, but for some reason, I wanted God at that moment. Never had wanted him before but I wanted him at that moment. was my moment. That's what I'm talking about. My whole body is now immersed in this invisible, warm liquid. Whatever substance this is, it is real, and it's all over me. When it got to the bottom of my feet, a spasm started in my left jaw. That feeling of rattling teeth. I can't tell you why it just started on my left side, but it did. And then within a few seconds, my right jaw began to spasm also. 
So now my teeth are chattering like I'm in sub-zero weather. I can't do anything about it. They're just chattering. Within moments, a language starts to pour out of me that I don't know, that I'd never learned, that no one had taught me, that I'd never heard anyone else speak in, that I'd never heard of. It began to pour out of my atheist mouth. There is a river that's flooding out of me with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit is flowing out of me, and as best I can tell, it was about 45 minutes or an hour when I came to. I was still sitting in the chair. I had been praying in tongues nonstop for about 45 minutes to an hour. I don't know for sure because I was, I was dazed when I came out of it. When I came out of it, the three Christians who had prayed for me, who were standing behind my desk, had gone back and sat in the chairs in front of my desk, and they were looking at me with their jaws dropped and their eyes huge, like as if to say, oh my, what have we just witnessed? Because Sheila, I didn't know at the time that everyone didn't have this same experience. I assumed that these three people just went place to place, and this is what they did every day. They found someone like me and told them about this tongue thing, and the next thing you know, they get it. But, of course, I came to find out that was the exception to the rule. When I come to, they're sitting there staring at me in, in somewhat disbelief because, you know, as, as being a minister, Sheila, and doing this for a long time, it rarely happens in that dramatic a fashion. Right. So, so to see it happen that way for a minister is, is really a wonderful thing that you never forget for the rest of your whole life. I opened my eyes, and Sheila, I had 20-20 vision, always did, but I had never seen the colors. I went from like black and white to vivid color. Everything that I looked at, the yellows were more yellow, the blues were bluer, the greens were greener, everything. I was literally seeing the world through new eyes. As I took my first breath, I breathed in and I smelled fragrances I had never smelled before. Wonderful, wonderful flower fragrances, things that had probably been around me, but I, I couldn't smell them. You understand, I have no frame of reference for this. I didn't know any of this stuff. All I knew at the moment was I felt like a newborn infant who had just come into the world, and I had just come from the presence of God. In other words, I was in God's lap one moment, and the next moment I had come into the earth, and I was born again. I was a new human being. I had a new personality. Everything about me was different. My friends the next day said, what happened to you? Something happened to you. You are so different. Something's happened to me. I'm on fire, high on Jesus. I've never felt anything like this in my life. And trust me, I, I did everything to feel everything I could. There, there was never anything like this. So when they, I finally settled it down enough for them to talk to me, they said, okay, we're going to have to go because it's late. By now, the, the fitness center where I worked was closed. We were the only people left in there. Everyone else had left. So they looked at me and they said, we've got to go, but we are going to come back tomorrow and we're going to let you know if we're going to join or not. 
And I said, oh, I don't care about that. I could care less. No, I'm giving you a membership. No, we'll let you know. We'll, we'll sign up and join if that's what God wants us to do. But more importantly than that, we are going to need to come back and hang out with you some because something's happened to you, and we need to talk to you about what has happened to you. And I said, oh, I, I feel great. I feel wonderful. And I said, we know you do. That's obvious. But we need to explain what happened to you. I said, here's the deal. There are two things. There's two sides in this world. There's a good side and there's a bad side. There's God and there's the devil. You ever heard anything about the devil? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that movie, man. They said, what movie? I said, the, the Exorcist. Yeah, that, that one. That devil you're talking about? No, I'm serious. Sheila, I, I'm not being flippant here. They said, yeah, kind of, that, that devil. <laughs> well, until tonight, you were a soldier in that devil's army. You were a servant of him. You didn't know that, but you served him. What happened tonight was the Spirit of God arranged an ambush, and he sent us in here. We did not know we were coming in here to do this, but the angels of the Lord that prepared the way for this came in here and sealed this room so you could hear what you heard tonight and you could make this decision because you went from being in the army of Satan to being in the army of God. You've been stolen from the devil's camp and you've come into the camp of the Lord, but Satan's not going to be happy about that. And that's what we need to talk to you about. Now, Sheila, you, I'm so happy and high when they're telling me this, I'm barely uh, cognizant enough to pay attention of, uh, to what they're saying. But I knew they were very serious in this tone. He said, here's the thing. You've been born again. You have the spirit of God living in you now. He is in you. But that enemy, Satan, he's going to come to you and he is going to attempt to talk you out of what you experienced tonight because he's not at all happy. He's been ambushed and he lost you tonight. When he comes to you, he's going to come in a voice and it's not going to be an audible voice. It's going to be a little voice in your head that says to you, quote, those people are nuts. They're crazy, kooky. Get out of here. Forget about it. Don't ever think about this again. Get to the bar as fast as you can. Get a couple of shots of tequila and move on. That voice is going to come to you. And when it does, you will defeat that voice with the word, the word, the word, the word. I said, what's the word? Because I thought it was a password, Sheila. I thought it was a code word. I thought there was some kind of a secret handshake, secret word that if I used that word, then the devil couldn't get to me. So I said, what's that word? What is the word? And they said, no, the word is what, the word of God. You see, when, when the devil came to Jesus, Jesus used, he spoke the word. He said, it is written. So when Satan comes to you, the only way you're going to beat him back is with the word, the same way Jesus did. Because if there was another way, Sheila, Jesus would have used it. But yeah. he set the example for us, and it's the word, the word. So they said, here's what we want you to say. When that voice comes to you, we want you to say, greater is he who is in me than he that's in the world. I said, I got it, I got it. They said, no, 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 no. Write it down, get a pen, get a piece of paper. So I grabbed a little sticky note, you know, and I wrote, greater is he. They made me write it word for word. Greater is he who is in me than he that's in the world. They said, now you hang on to that. You take that wherever you go. 
And I said, yeah, sure, man, sure. He said, now, here's the other thing you're going to have. You're going to have an insatiable appetite to learn everything you can about your father because you've just met your father tonight. You're going to want to know everything, and you're going to find that out in a book that he left called the Bible. The guy reaches in his pocket, his back pocket, and he pulls out one of those little red soul winners, New Testament in Psalms Bibles. You've seen them everywhere. So he hands me this little Bible, and I say little, I mean little, pocket size. And he said, now you're going to want to read that. I said, I can't wait to get into this. They said, we're going to go. We're going to come and we're going to check on you. As they walked out my door and they shut my door, I'm so happy. Happy's not the word. I feel, I can't tell you how I feel. These words don't describe it. When they shut my door, I heard a sound. And the sound is that if you've ever been inside of a walk-in meat freezer at a restaurant or something and the door shuts when you're inside, it makes a vacuum sound, Sheila. It goes, when I heard the the whoomp sound of the, the door closing, something started to creep down my body, it started at the top of my head, and it started to come down just like the warm honey, like oil had come down earlier. But this wasn't that at all. This was a darkness, a blackness. It came down over my head and it was emulating and coming down the same way that Holy Spirit oil came on me earlier. When it got to my shoulders, I opened my eyes and I was in a bit of a panic because that good feeling that I had had suddenly evaporated. And I heard a voice say, aren't you glad those nutcases are gone? Let's forget this ever happened. Just like that Christian had told me a few minutes earlier was going to happen. Sheila, I grabbed that little sticky note on my desk. I picked it up and I said, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And when I said the word world, I heard that vacuum sound go back out that door and that warmth and that Holy Spirit was back on me in an instant. And I said, oh my God, this is real. And that is where it began. Sheila, the days we are living in right now, we are in a Holy Spirit emergency. The Lord spoke to me probably two years ago now. You know, this flies contrary to all of my pastor friends that are doing church and having the building and going on Sunday morning and doing all of that. Sheila, God pulled me out of that. Now, he pulled me kicking and screaming because I didn't understand why. But everything that he told me to do that I did has flourished. What he told me not to do that I did was a train wreck. So he told me his people don't need more sermons. They need some Holy Spirit power. He said to me, my people, and this is the quote, my people need mega doses of the Holy Spirit right now. Now, and this is how he related it to me, and I understood this. He has to speak in terms that I get. There's something called emergency that's a super-duper vitamin C powder that is really just super-concentrated vitamin C. And every time you're getting a cold, if you'll take that stuff, it literally will knock the cold right out. But it's mega doses of vitamin C. 
the Lord related that to me, that his people right now need mega doses of the Holy Spirit like never before. The problem is no one's preaching it. No one wants to talk about it. Satan will let you do anything you want as long as it doesn't have anything to do with the Holy Spirit or deliverance. Absolutely. Well, and I like how you went from battling in the ring to battling for the kingdom. So springboarding into 1993, here you are, an undefeated professional kickboxer training for a title fight and two separate people really impacted you. Tell our listeners about that. In, uh, in 93, I was a professional fighter. After I'd been born again in 1980, I just told you that story, I moved back to my hometown of Marshall, Texas. Marshall happens to be the hometown of George Foreman, the world heavyweight champion, world you know, well-known, very famous guy. And he happened to be back in Marshall during these years training for his comeback fight. His comeback started in 87, and I think he won the title back in 1994. I had my own gym. George, of course, had his own gym. Uh, his ranch where he trained, and it was a private thing. But all of George's people, no, in other words, no one could train at George's gym but George and his fighters. He had a whole stable of fighters that were his sparring partners and other training guys. They had to come to my gym. So I had this wonderful stable of fighters, and I got really the best training you can get in the world during those days. So I got really good at kickboxing. I was undefeated, really at the precipice of my career. And this woman came to me. Uh, I knew her. She, uh, she was in our prayer group. We had a little Holy Spirit prayer group that we would do, and they were into spiritual warfare a bit, but I didn't know anything about that. That, that was kind of foreign to me. She hands me this prophecy, and it was 1993. She said, at 7 p.m. last night, I'm sitting, minding my own business at home, and the Lord says, get something and start writing. I'm giving you this prophecy for Rick Bell. So she wrote it, and she said, I don't understand where this came from if it didn't come from the Lord because I don't know what one of these words means. One of the words was odious. So in essence, what the prophecy said was, you have been successful as a warrior in the, in the natural. I've trained you to fight and to be a champion. Now I'm going to call you into a fight that is much harder, and that is a fight with the destroyer of souls, the walk I'm calling you to is difficult, and you're going to have to lay down many things to have the kind of power and anointing you're going to need. The walk I'm calling you to is odious to human nature. So she hands me this. We look up odious, and odious just means difficult, very foreign, basically. She hands me this, and I tuck it away and think, Wow, that's, that's pretty heavy. Two weeks later, different person, totally unconnected, didn't know anything about person number one. Person number two comes to me and says, can I come by and speak with you? Strangest thing happened to me last night. I said, sure. She comes by. She says, midnight, I'm asleep. The Holy Spirit wakes me up. These are both Christian people. Holy Spirit wakes me up and says, Start writing. I'm giving you a prophetic word for Rick Bell. She said, I couldn't find any paper. So she was, she happened to be a nurse. She was a registered nurse. So she said, I had to grab some of my nurse stationery and write this. And she handed it to me on her nurse stationery, which I have to this day. In fact, the book I'm writing, I'm, I'm putting that in there. 
So she hands me this prophetic word, and it is almost word for word what had been handed to me two weeks prior by a totally unconnected person. So now I have these two prophecies that are basically saying the exact same thing, but yet I don't have a clue what I'm supposed to do or how I'm supposed to, you know, to move forward into this stuff. About six months after that, the Lord spoke to me and I was at the pinnacle of my fighting career. And the Lord said, it's time to lay down your career. What did you say? He said, it's time for you to lay down this, let it go. And Sheila, when an athlete who's been a professional athlete, that becomes kind of your identity, especially when you're, you are winning. You know, when you've made it to the top, it's been this long, hard, tough, tough, tough climb to get to the top. And the last thing you want to do is quit and walk away. I was the champion and I was ready to be the champion for a while and kind of bask in that glory. And God said, put it down. So it was decision time. And I, you know, I love the Lord. He's always been my first love. I've drifted though, you know, drifted, gotten lost, not realizing that demonic forces had built condominiums inside of me, not realizing that that was my decision-making was, was bound in that for, for so long. So I walked away from my title and all of that. And of course, my friend said, you know, you, you're crazy, man. What do you mean you're quitting? I said, all I can tell you is the, the Lord is speaking to me and tell me to do that. What do you mean the Lord's speaking to you? So you hear voices now? Yeah, it is probably time for you to quit. Ha, 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 ha. So that was kind of how that was received. That was 93, but Sheila, it took me from 93 because as soon as I got out of the competitive, I started focusing all that competitive energy I had on the corporate world, on the business world. So I took my skills as a boxer and, you know, kickboxer, and I became a... Um, really successful in the United States as a trainer and seminar leader in the martial arts business world. So that was a whole nother ride. I, but I, there were a lot of things in me that had to get dealt with. 2008, Lord speaks to me and says, okay, we've been fooling around enough. I'm calling you into deliverance ministry. Now it's time to get serious. Now I had just gone through probably the darkest period. No, not probably the darkest period in my life. Now, I had some tragedies. My adopted mother dropped dead when I was 22 years old from drinking. She had an aneurysm and dropped dead sitting at her office desk. My adopted father shot himself in the head 16 months later. I found him in their bedroom. He lived for six months as a vegetable. Horrible, horrible stuff. I went, that was my life. I'd been through some rough times, but I'd just come through in 2008, the roughest. And the Lord said, now, now it's time. The deliverance ministry, there are so many things that happen in it that are so beyond anyone, anyone's ability to, you can't make this stuff up, okay? You can't make this stuff up because what really happens in the demonic realm and fighting these spirits, it's, it's beyond our ability to fabricate. Well, and that's why I like the title of your book, Boxing Blindfolded with Demons. And I love this idea, Rick, of teaching Christians how to get in spiritual shape to win the title fight of their own lives. There are many similarities to the way a pro fighter preps for 
his fight, he trains in the natural, he competes. And the way Christians should get in shape to fight this battle and do spiritual warfare is really important, isn't it? Because God is looking for battle warriors to do battle for him, isn't he? We are in a war here, aren't we? It's no longer optional, Sheila. God's people are getting beaten up. And they don't, some of them, most of them don't even know they have an opponent that they're not even in a fight. When God started giving me the information, when he told me to take my boxing background, this was about a year ago, and I started teaching a series in our church on boxing blindfolded with demons. And then the Lord said, I want this to be a book. Because everything that I could relate that we did as a natural fighter relates in the spirit realm. It's the same principles. Fighting is fighting. But the church is so ill-prepared, they don't have a clue. My burning desire is, I think, the same desire you have, Sheila. If we could say it's one thing, it would be to wake up the church, to slap them around, pour some water on them. Wake up. You know how a fighter, when he goes to between rounds and he's just kind of lethargic? Have you ever seen them take a, a bucket of water and you know throw it in his face and say, Wake up, man. You're in a fight. That's how the church is right now. And we are losing the fight. Well, my uncle was a Golden Gloves, and I remember he came to his house one time, and he was watching a fight. And I said, why are you watching the guy you're fighting? He says, Sheila, I need to know my enemy. And I thought, interesting, this, you know, pugilism has a lot of strong overtones to knowing our own spiritual enemy here. We have to know that we are in a battle for our lives. And, you know, this is not some cutesy little thing. People are going to a devil's hell because of ignorance. Jesus says, my people are destroyed through lack of knowledge. And people need to get equipped on how to do battle, how to do spiritual warfare. It's important because we are not fighting flesh and blood here, are we? No, we're certainly not, and it is an emergency situation. They're in a fight, and they're losing. They're so out of shape. The church as a whole is not in any kind of—it's it, like now. It, I, I used to be a fighter. As you know, I was, I was the, the champion. I could fight. But if someone knocked on my door right now and said, Rick, the main event didn't show up tonight, so we need you to step in the ring, even though I was a, a good fighter and I— Sheila, I'm out of shape. I wouldn't last 15 seconds in there. The guy would kill me because I'm <laughs> yeah. out of shape. Yeah. All right. Listen, because you did something in 1996, what are you doing right now? God's people are out of shape. To get in shape, you've got to pay a price. No one likes to hear the repentance word, the R word. Listen, there are behavior modifications you have to adapt if you are going to be a champion fighter, if you are going to be a champion marathon runner, if you are going to be a champion golfer. Fill in the blank. There are behavior modifications. There are sacrifices. It's how serious are you about this? Because this is your life. This is your life. And we, and I say we, we're all so out of shape. And there's only one way to get in shape, and that is to be taught some new ways to live your life that incorporates the lifestyle of a fighter. Uh, a fighter lives a lifestyle. They're not a fighter part-time. There's no such thing as a part-time boxer. Ask your uncle, could, was, it, was there any such thing as a part-time boxing guy? No. You went to the gym six days a week, and it would be seven if the gym was open seven. 
We need to be disciplined and hence the word disciple, a disciple of Christ. There's a huge piece around this that I think people miss it because in this, of course, microwave society, cake, bake, religion, people just, you know, they don't want to, you know, they want to eat what they want to eat. They want to be led to do whatever they want to do, but they don't really want to do any discipleship. And that takes discipline, doesn't it, Rick? It's everything is the discipline, and we, the Lord has been showing me, we are going to have to do some things differently. If you want a different result than you, you've had, you have to do something different. And we are so spiritually out of shape right now as a church, as, as Christians, if we only knew the fight that was ahead of us, the fight that's coming, it's materializing right now. In our life, in our country, certainly in our world, you are seeing the preliminary bouts. You are in the what we call the undercard fights right now. You're seeing the, the, the undercard because the main event is coming. And guess what? You're in it. Your name is on that poster. And guess what else? Your opponent is watching what you're doing, just like your Golden Gloves uncle watched the video. Yeah, you can bet that your opponent, the demons who are assigned to you, know your every move. But do you know their moves? Now, you don't even know they exist in most cases. It's like having a hitman. It's like having an assassin, Sheila, that has been paid, a contract's been put out on you, and you don't even know it. You're skip-to-de-doo whistling through the park, and there's a hitman waiting for you, waiting for the right moment. Because he's going to take you out. And you know what's even worse? He may not take you out. He may want to take your child out. God forbid. Because that's how they operate. I I sound like I have a sense of urgency about me because I do. This is the message for this hour. We've got to get in shape. We have to get in spiritual, Holy Ghost, fighting shape. The word is fighting. We're not set up to fight the devil. Some of us are. I'm, I'm saying as a church, as a whole, the, church, the body of Christ is not able to stand up and beat back what's coming in. We have a handbook for our living, and yet people are not in the Word. There is a total famine in the land for the Word of God, and I really pray tonight that God would open people's eyes, that they would cling to God in the things that are right. I pray that they leave these places that are feeding them lies and churning out the garbage and give people boldness and courage and help them stand up for what is right. Give them a spirit of a warrior and fight for our brothers and sisters that are being led astray in Jesus' name, because I'll tell you what, Demons don't come out in the name of Allah or Buddha or anything else, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, they come out. You can't counsel out a demon. You can't sit on a psychology couch and counsel out a demon or talk about your problems. And I mean, this is very real and we're in real time. And you're right. We're on the undercard and we're about to see the main event. Rick, I really appreciate you coming on the program and I hope you do come back and see us soon. I want to just make sure that people get Rick's website website. It is heavenlywarriors.com and that information is linked there at weekendvigilante.com. And finally, Rick, if you would like to lead our listeners into a prayer before the end of the show, I would really appreciate it. I would love to, Sheila. Father God, we come together now from all over the world, all corners of the world, listening to this broadcast. We come together as a family. We come together in unity and we agree that we must 
have more of you. We must have more of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, we need mega doses of the Holy Spirit. And right now I pray on every listener that a double, triple anointing, a triple portion of the Holy Spirit start to fall right now, exactly where you're sitting right now. I see some of you starting to receive some power. You're feeling the Holy Spirit come right now. In the name of Jesus, Father God, give them more, 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 more power. And God, pull the blinders off for those who have a hard time grasping what is going on around. Right now, I ask that something break in the spirit world and that the revelation that they need begins to come to them. And Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this opportunity to come together. You've given us this wonderful platform, and we thank you and we honor you with everything we do, and we ask you to bless our efforts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you for that, Rick. And if anyone out there does not know Jesus or you're backslidden, contact me. I want to hear from you personally. Rick, thank you so much for coming on the program tonight. And I want to really encourage people to understand what Rick said in the beginning of the show. It's very important to have the Holy Spirit. That didn't go out in the Old Testament, the New Testament. People are very ignorant and confused. You need to have the Holy Spirit operating in you. And if people want water baptism or want to receive the Holy Ghost, I am available to help lead you in a prayer. Get a hold of me, folks, if you need that, or get a hold of Rick. Again, his website is heavenlywarriors.com, and his information is posted there. Rick, come back and see us soon. Be honored to and would love to, Sheila. God bless you. God bless you too, Rick. Folks, that was Rick Bell from heavenlywarriors.com. You can find his website linked there at weekendvigilante.com. And I recommend firing him an email. Let him know you heard him on the show today. And folks, if you have any questions around water baptism, again, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you don't speak in tongues, then you get a hold of us. Folks, I want to remind you, if you have not added me on social media, please go to my website and click on the Facebook and Twitter and as well sign up on my YouTube channel as well as the podcast. Add me there on Podomatic. You just click on the big pink button on the right hand side and you can sign up to follow my podcast. And if you have a smart device, you just find the MixLR app, search Weekend Vigilante and you can listen on any smart device iPads, iPhones, other smart devices, MixLR, M-I-X-L-R, find the app. And you can also find the app TuneIn Radio, search WWCR2, and you can listen to me every day broadcasting at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's Monday to Friday, 6 o'clock Eastern Time, right there on Worldwide Christian Radio. And on a final note, I am asking you to prayerfully, if you listen to this show and you feel blessed by this show, please do prayerfully consider sowing into this ministry. The workman is worthy of his meat. If you're getting the meat, folks, it's only fair that you do what you can. Giving is a kingdom principle. This broadcast is 100% listener funded. I do have a sponsor that pays a portion of my airtime. Folks, please do sow in too a very worthwhile ministry, and I thank you in advance for that. Folks, thank you for tuning in tonight. Have a fantastic weekend. See you next week. we got a great lineup. Augusto Perez, many others join me. It's going to be a fantastic week. Good night, and God bless. The Sheila Zielinski Show is sponsored by SteveQuayle.com, offering a wide variety of products, links, 
headlines, and information for the end times. Order Steve's new book, Little Creatures, by visiting stevequail.com. Dare to discover, learn, prepare, and be amazed.